Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, November the 12th, 2022. It is currently 6.57 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And unfortunately, this studio didn't accomplish its goal for this week. I mean, it's Saturday, so we're reaching the end of the week. Tomorrow, the first day of the week, the beginning of a new week. And you know how that works for the Bible study exercise series, right? Saturday night, we're supposed to be finishing up a week of Bible study, maybe introducing the new week of Bible study. Saturday is that transition day. Sometimes you get a final message. Sometimes you get a final message and the introductory message for the new week of Bible study. But I failed at everything this week. Now, I can make all kinds of excuses. We had major internet issues. We had all kinds of things causing delay and disruption. But the bottom line is, you know, I could have, I could have stood or stood, I could have sat in front of this microphone, you know, two in the morning, three in the morning, making up for lost time, but I did not. Now, I can't, on one hand, I, there is no excuse because we could have accomplished what I needed to accomplish. On the other hand, I am very aware, painfully aware, that there are just times where you're not in the mental place. You're not where you need to be mentally to be able to sit down and turn on the microphone and talk about doctrine and theology and the Bible and lead people in Bible study. I think, I think there is a, a, a t- there's a time, look, sometimes you have to do so just out of necessity. You've got to do it, right? But I think there's times that you have to think about, I can do this, but what is anyone actually going to gain from it because of whatever is currently occurring at any given time. So I made I made some decisions, which unfortunately means that we didn't really do much with 2 Timothy chapter 2. We did not. Now, if you've been listening to today's focus and you've been keeping up with the curriculum, the Bible study exercise curriculum, which is available to people, we will be doing the great Bible study exercise curriculum purge coming up in the next week or so, and we'll be, I'll be doing a broadcast about it, telling you what's going to happen, and we have to make some decisions what to do going into 2023, but we'll see, we'll see how that all works. But in the meantime, those who have emailed me and said they wanted access to the Bible study curriculum, I haven't removed anyone. I'm still trying to give people, you know, the opportunity to use it whenever they want to. The curriculum had us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, so I used some of that in the Today's Focus podcast series. We talked about fighting about words. We talked about subverting or hurting the hearers. Both of those came from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Hopefully you spent some time in the text, but we are, it's Saturday, so we're going, I, I thought we're, we may need extra time for what we're about to do, right? We're about to engage not in another massive study, maybe like Amos, but a very, 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 very important one for every, for every believer, for every Christian, I believe for every church, for every Sunday school class, it is something we really, really need to consider. Because if you look at our culture, if you look at the culture of the church, look at the world, there is a major problem. There are some serious problems. And the question is, what is the solution to these problems? So we're going to introduce a new week of Bible study 
that I think will be very, 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 very important and hope you will participate as always. Hopefully you will use the curriculum and hopefully you will engage in discussion either via email or the Discord channel. So I hope you are ready. I apologize for the failure in 2 Timothy, but trust me, I may... I may find a way to uh, the, the last two Bible study exercise things that we have done in regards to God's word, maybe even going back to Nehemiah. I may try to circle back to some of them. Uh, right now, even in church, though, I'm kind of, I, I hate to say the word, I'm handcuffed, but basically the long gospel series is so important. And at least some of the people in the church, if I get ready to do something else, they're like, no, I want to, no, can we do another message on law and gospel? I mean, like, no, 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 I don't want to do Jude. I don't, I want to do law and gospel. So whenever you, you get people excited about a series, that's taking up, you know, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. And I, I don't feel bad about that because I do believe the law and gospel study is one of the most important that we've ever done. So, uh, but it does limit then what I can do at church, where some of these things, I probably would have already brought them into a one sermon on the subject or on the passage to add to the Bible study exercise, and some of that's been taken away from me. So just the thing is, there's always so much going on with this podcast. You just, there's just always so much going on. I hope you either, either you appreciate that or you're just like, wait, there's too much. I can't keep up with everything. And I understand that as well. But I guess what I, you always have lots of options, what you want to keep up with. But can I say that I believe the subject we're getting ready to introduce, I believe this is the one you need to keep up with and the law and gospel series. I, I, and, 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 oh, and another thing that happened this week, we ended up with a whole curse of Jeconiah. That, that, that almost turned into a Bible study exercise and we still have work to do on that. So so much going on. But are you ready? All right, let's start. I'm going to I'm going to read from the curriculum. Because the curriculum really begins but I, what that uh, with what I think is kind of a good description of some of the issues, some of the problems that we are facing in 2022. All right? Here we go. I want you to listen carefully, right? This is how we're going to introduce the new course of study for the coming week for the Bible study exercise podcast series. So, notebooks open if you have them. Pencil, of course. Thinking caps on. Here we go. Researchers contend that we, that you and I, are exposed to anywhere between 4,000 and 10,000 messages a day. I want you to try to comprehend that. Researchers contend that you and I, we are exposed to anywhere between 4,000 and 10,000 messages a day. Now, I don't know what they are considering a message there, but you just think of all the things that you are exposed to every day, all the words, all the words you are exposed to, text messages, emails, movies, TV shows, music, podcast, just word after word after word after people talking to you. Just think about the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of words you hear every single day. That number may seem unbelievable until we consider the amount of time we spend in front of a screen. The average American logs more than seven hours a day 
looking at a screen seven hours a day. That doesn't even count all the words you hear away from a screen, not looking at a computer, not looking at a TV, all the words you just hear from other people talking to you or engaging you in some way, shape, or form. That's more than seven hours a day. This includes more than three hours spent on our phones, nearly four hours on our desktop computers. We spend more than two hours of that time scrolling through social media. Additionally, on average, we watch television slightly more than three hours a day at the same time. So while all of that's going on, all of those hours doing this or doing that, and I know what I'm going to, I'm going to get emails. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't watch this and I don't do 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 this. Okay. If it, if it doesn't apply to you, wonderful, great. Too many times I hear people claim they don't do this or don't do that. And then because they won't either are willing to recognize it, they're not willing to admit it. They're not willing, they, they, I, I think we are almost, we become, uh, we become defensive, right? We're almost like, no, 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 no. I don't look at my phone that much. No, no, no. I don't watch TV that much. No, no, no. I don't do that. I, it's, it's almost because we know that they're inherently, it's probably either wasting a time or it's bad for us. But we, so we almost want to defend ourselves or we're almost in self-denial. But I, but the numbers constantly keep coming out. How much time we're listening to all of these words. Now, while all of that's going on, Somewhere, again, between four to 10,000, and they seem to just be focusing on what we hear electronically, not even talking about what we hear with people talking to us. At that same time, only 39% of those who attend church at least once a month, so these are church-going people who, who attend church at least once a month. I mean, that means in some of these cases, some of these individuals are not even attending church on a weekly basis. But only 39% of people who attend church at least once a month. This is important, all right? Uh, at least once a month, read a bit of scripture each day. Only 39% of people who attend church at least once a month read just a little bit of scripture once a day. That's it, 39%. Now, you take all the people who go to church and you look at around 39% of them only read just a little bit of scripture each day. And if you ask how many engage in actual meaningful study, that 39% drops down even lower. I mean, just reading a little bit, it's hard enough to get people to do that. So the statistics are, well, not good as as. The, the uh, curriculum goes on to say, these stats reveal a troubling imbalance that poses a damaging effect on our spiritual vitality. We face a constant barrage of messages competing for our thoughts, attention, and allegiance, but how many of them are truly important and worthy of our time? Those, those are some serious problems, serious problems. And on this podcast, on the Theology Central podcast, it doesn't matter if it's, it's, you name the series, there's a high probability that somewhere in those series, I have talked about over and over and over and over, trying to get Christians to not just be passive 
listeners, but active students to actually get them to study the Bible in a meaningful way. Bible study methods, notebooks, reference tools, pencils, writing, thinking, meditating, working. And and I know just from my own long history of trying to get Christians to actually study the Bible, it is almost impossible. If I'm teaching a hundred people how to do the Bible study methods, I'll be lucky if I get one or two, maybe even if I'm lucky if I get one, one to five to actually engage in any attempt to do the Bible study methods. No one ever does all 12. If I taught all 12 Bible study methods, I'm lucky to get people to do the devotional and the chapter summary. Maybe that's about it. Now, We did the most comprehensive book Bible study method, and we did have a few people accomplish that, which is absolutely amazing. But so many times in the Bible study methods, people are like, no, that's work. That's difficult. And they will say, listen, the famous words, I'm too busy. Right. While yet all the statistics say, yeah, you're too busy doing all of these other things, yet they would deny it all day. We've got a problem. And nobody wants to admit it. Christians are not being influenced by scripture because they're not reading it. They're not studying it. And typically I put the emphasis on study, 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 study. Usually that's where I put the emphasis. You know that, I know that. I put the emphasis, study the scriptures, study the Bible, study the word of God, study, 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 study. But let me ask you, if you consider the problem that Christians are bombarded with words and messages, that we are distracted by a million things and we're not really reading and engaging God's word in any meaningful way. Let me ask you, do you think the solution is study or do you think the solution is meditation or do you think the solution is a combination of study and meditation? And do you know the difference between studying the word of God and meditating on the word of God? Now, I have met people who are great at studying the Bible. I think they are diligent students, but are they diligent meditators on God's word? Do you even know the difference? Is there even a difference between study and meditation? Well, that is what we're going to be talking about all of this week. We're going to be studying and trying to understand what it means to meditate on God's word. We've talked a lot about studying God's word, but what does it mean to meditate on it? Some people will argue, in fact, I have an entire article that says, no, the Bible doesn't call us to study. It calls us to meditate. Study, they say, is more of a Western cultural idea. It's not the culture of Scripture. Scripture would not understand the study. It would understand meditation. So they believe it's meditate over study. Study is not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be meditating. Others argue, no, we're supposed to be studying and maybe downplay meditating. Maybe the two are supposed to come together. I think you need both. I think we need to pursue study. It's the Word of God. It's, it's, it's his word. And if we don't study it using study methods, we almost always end up twisting it, misinterpreting it, 
using it in crazy ways and bad things happen. So I, 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 I will argue whether the study is a Western idea or not, the fact that God placed his revelation in written form requires study. You have to study when you're reading. You have to study. You've got to interpret words. You have to know definitions. You have to know meaning. You have to know context, syntax. You have to know historical background. You have to know the who, what, where, when, and how. You have to know all of these kinds of things. So study, I believe, is essential. But what about meditation? What about meditation? So let's do this. Let's look up definitions here for, let's look up the uh, the definition for study. Let's look up the definition for study. I'm just going to, I've just pulled up a, an online dictionary, right? And you can do a little bit more work on the definitions, but study, all right? Let's, let's at least try to figure out. So we see the problem. We're bombarded with words and messages. We didn't even get into how much we're distracted. But the bottom line, Christians, only 39% of Christians who go to church at least once a month is just reading a little bit of scripture each day. That's just reading. That doesn't even count study. The numbers for study are even lower. And and, and you, I don't even know what's going on in churches sometimes but yeah, because there's definitely not a lot of meaningful study. I can tell you that. But that's a whole different, that's a whole different story. All right, here we go. Study, study, the devotion of time and attention to acquiring knowledge. The devotion of time and attention to acquiring knowledge. So I want you to write down study is the acquiring of knowledge, the acquiring of facts. You know who, you know what, you know where, you know when, you know how. You, it's just the acquiring of facts. Studying the Bible, we are acquiring facts about what the text means. How do we interpret it? The definition of words, who that is, when did that occur? What was going on? How do we understand that? That is acquiring facts. Study is acquiring Facts, it's acquiring knowledge. That's study. I want to make sure you understand what study is. It's the acquiring of knowledge. But what is the definition of meditate or meditation? Meditate to engage in contemplation or reflection. To engage in in contemplation or reflection. Now, if I keep, click on contemplation, contemplation is a concentration on spiritual things. Concentration on spiritual things. So meditate is to engage in deep concentration about spiritual things. See, study, you're just, you're studying. You may be using your mind, you may be working, but you're just gathering knowledge. You're gathering information. You're gathering facts. Meditation, so I, I, this is the way I think it works. Study gives you the, the facts, gives you the knowledge. Meditation is now you take that knowledge and you engage in contemplation. You engage in deep concentration about it. You reflect on it. You think about it. Let me use this phrase. You chew on it. All right? Here's here's another one. uh, Meditate. To engage in mental exercise. 
So it's, it's, it's you're exercising your mind over the knowledge. The study, you get the knowledge. The study, you get the facts. And a lot of Christians stop right there. They leave church with knowledge. They heard a sermon. Okay, they know, all right, the doctrine of imputation, uh, pro, uh, uh, propitiation, justification, sanctification, glorification, the distinction between law and gospel, whatever we're talking about on any sermon. They, they get the facts. They've got their notebooks. They've got their notebooks full of those facts. They've even written them down. So hopefully they, 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 they have studied, they've thought about it, they've written it down. All of that is great. All of that is wonderful. But spiritually speaking, for spiritual growth, for spiritual vitality, to really accomplish something spiritually, somehow, somewhere in this process, all of that knowledge and all of those facts has to now, you have to engage the knowledge in a meditative way. You have to now engage in contemplation. You are to engage in reflection on it. You are to chew on it, think on it. Just really, 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 really allow that knowledge and that fact, in a sense, to flow through all of you, right, into your, 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 your thinking, your concentration, your, your it, it's to, it's to have free reign through you. See, knowledge, you can just kind of store it in one part of your brain, okay? I, I went to church, I heard the sermon, boom, okay, I got some facts, go. Hopefully, you'll be able to recall said facts, Hopefully you'll be able to recall said facts. Look, the, the, the Western educational system, or at least here in the United States of America, the American educational system is all about go to school, memorize facts, then spit out those facts on a piece of paper, pass a test, and everyone says you're smart. Well, I don't care. You can get A's in all your paper, but guess what? In some cases, all you do is no facts. You've not ever done any actual contemplation, reflection, and concentration on what these facts mean. How do we understand these facts? What are the consequences of these facts? How should these facts be applied? It just stops. Some of you who will listen to this, you are the students. That is awesome. You should not feel, I I don't want to place guilt on anyone, but that's only half of the story. To overcome all of the issues we have in culture, where some people are just reading the Bible and they're bombarded with all of these messages to fight against all of the messages, to fight against all of the, in a sense, counter-programming that's, that's basically getting your mind to conform to a wrong way of thinking. The only way to fight against it is you have to have the study part, but the study part doesn't really begin that transformation process until the meditation kicks in where you are engaging in meaningful contemplation and reflection. Now, you may be the student, but are you the one who meditates? Some people want to try to get to the meditation without the study, and then that leads to all kinds of problems. Why? Because now you're meditating on some, well, in many cases, you don't even understand what you're meditating on. Meditation without right knowledge is of you, it, it can just become zeal without knowledge. It can just become, who knows what you're going to do. You've got to have the right knowledge before you can have the right meditation or you're just meditating and contemplating on the wrong way of thinking, right? What, what good is it to, to engage in contemplation and reflection if what you're meditating and contemplating on is completely messed up and twisted? And I've seen that too many, a lot of people love like, I want more of a devotional approach. I want a more of a devotional. Well, you get that devotional approach 
approach at the expense of truth and knowledge. You got to do the study part before you can get to, quote unquote, the devotional part. These two must come together. Study and meditation must come together. Now, we have talked about study countless hours. It's time for us to transition from study to meditation. We've got to add the meditation element to this. And this week, the curriculum is all about meditating on God's word. Here is a famous quote from um, Thomas Manton, who wrote in the 1600s, and he wrote something about the difference between study versus meditation. Study versus meditation. Study, well, I'm just going to read the whole thing. All right, I'm going to read the whole thing here. Are you ready? Okay. The end of study is information. The end of study is information. The end of meditation is practice or a work upon the affections. See, study, you get the information, you get knowledge. But meditation, it should lead to practice. It should lead to change. It should lead to transformation. It should lead to moving on your affections. Study is like a winter sun that shines, but does not warm. If there's anything that irritates me, now I don't know about people who live up north, but here in West Texas, everyone, like right now, we have, we've had a cold front come in, right? And it, it's not pleasant. It's not, it's irritating. It's irritating all day long. But like, um, there's sometimes in Texas, and it's probably true everywhere, but I'm just, I just know Texas because it's where I've lived. And, you know, I did live in Nebraska for 10 years. So it did happen there sometimes. But wherever it is, wherever it happens, there's nothing more irritating to me than you're sitting in your house, you look outside and you're like, wow. It is bright and sunny. There's not a, a cloud in the sky. It looks beautiful. And, and this would happen when I, when I lived in Nebraska. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go to this store. I'm going to go to this store. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. And then I'm like, okay, I get ready, walk out the door. And I'm like, what in the world? It's like 10 degrees, even though the sun is shining. That to me is like deceptive. It's evil because it's not like telling you, look, look, it looks wonderful out here. Come on. Come on. And then you step outside and it's like, lie. It's a psych. No, you're, 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 no, you're, you, we, we deceived you. So I, I understand what this illustration study is like a winter sun that shines, but does not warm. What's the point of the sun shining? What's the point of the nice blue sky? If I go outside and it's 10 degrees, just, just take the sun away. It's useless. I need something more that I need it to do something. Well, study it's just like the sun that doesn't warm. And a lot of people sit in church and a lot of sermons are just like the winter sun. It, it, it's there, there's light, but it doesn't warm anyone. They gain a little bit of knowledge. They got the three points from the sermon, but you know, and you know why? Here's the problem. It, it always drives me crazy when people say, complain sometimes about church. You know where the, the you know where the, the study happens from? It's supposed to happen where you're sitting in the pew and the pulpit is leading you in the study of God's word. That's what it's supposed to do. But you know where the meditation occurs? When you leave. But you know what people tend to do? They'll leave, complain, gripe, or just forget. 
Well, if you don't meditate, it's like the winter sun. It's there, but it does not warm. That's I don't want that in my life. As much as I hate looking outside, seeing the sun during the winter, thinking, oh, it's got to be nice out there. And you walk outside and you're like, it's freezing. As much as that irritates me, literally irritates me, makes me mad. It's like false advertising. What is this garbage? Well, I think a lot of times in my Christian life, I've sat under the winter sun. There was light, but there was no warmth. Because I did study, I did not do meditation. Study is like a winter sun that shines but does not warm. But meditation is like blowing up the fire where we do not mind the blaze, uh, but the heat. We, we, in other words, we, we benefit from it. We, we feel it. We feel the warmth. We feel the heat. It, meditation, in a sense, ignites the fire. And, and we feel something. Something is happening. Sometimes I'm baffled by how some Christians, like there'll be some text we're studying, right? And they just seem not moved by it. They're like, yeah. I'm like, what do you mean, yeah? Think about it. Meditate on it. It should be more than yeah. It should do something. It should move you somehow. There should be some kind of passion, some kind of zeal. If you don't feel that, if you don't feel the warmth of it, you studied it. You didn't meditate on it. You didn't engage in concentration and contemplation and reflection. You didn't chew on it. You just got a bunch of facts and now you can pass the test. You can get the Awana medal. You can do whatever those little games are that churches love to play so that we can memorize some facts and recite them. And then we feel like we pat ourselves on the back. We pat ourselves on the back. I liken this to a lot of the uh, more Americanized martial arts, where in American, in America martial arts, you got to give people these little short-term goals, right? Okay, you're, you're, let's say you're a white belt, we got to get you to a white belt with a yellow stripe, and then we got to get you a yellow belt, and you got these. Just here's some things you learn to do. You got to you got to learn your basic form, maybe a front kick, punch. You're going to do a breaking technique that's going to be something super simple, maybe a reverse punch or a front kick, whatever the case may be. But you've got to have these little goals because if you don't give the Americans these little a sense of achievement, they'll just get discouraged and they and they'll just be like, oh, whatever, I quit. You, but if they can get that next belt and get that next belt, they feel like they're achieving something. They feel like they're accomplishing a goal, and so then they they stick with it a little bit longer because they want to get that black belt, and then they feel like they've accomplished something. All of my life in American martial arts, I have fought against that system. They'll be like, it's time to test. I'm not testing. Well, when are you going to test? I don't know, two years from now, three years from now. They're like, you're going to stay a white belt or this for two years? I don't care about the stupid color of the belt. I don't care about the stripe. I don't care about some artificial measurement of supposed success. I want to live in these techniques. I want to live and breathe them so they're second nature. I want to be able to block a punch, do a hip toss, throw an elbow, do a knee strike. Without, I want to live it. I don't. I don't. Who cares what the belt says? The belt is ir, is meaningless, and that's why too many times in American martial arts. You'll see someone with a high belt level who can get knocked out in 2.3 seconds because all they did was get a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of knowledge. They just, they, in a sense, they sat under the winter sun. They didn't get warmed by it. They didn't, nothing happened. They didn't enter into them. So at any time, and I saw this so many times. 
There would be people far and more advanced in me and belt. And then it, it would be like, uh, you know, they would have this belt or this belt. And I, we'd be doing something in class and I'd be like, that's not the way you, what are you doing? That's not the right way. No, that's the wrong technique. No, that's not how you get out. What, what are you doing? And I would have to correct them. Why? Because all they, they just went from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing. Gain information, gain information, gain information. You get some, supposedly pass a test. Everyone applauds you. Get a selfie. You know, yay, post it on the, on the Instagram. Whatever. It means nothing. It's useless. It's meaningless. It doesn't accomplish anything other than maybe build up your self-esteem or ego. I don't want that. I don't want to sit, uh, sit under a winter sun that doesn't warm. I want the heat. I want the fire. I want to feel it. Well, God's word, you can either approach it just studying it to get knowledge, but at some point it's got to transition from that knowledge into meditation, contemplation, concentration. So then you feel it. It's, it's in you. It's not outside. It's not just in a little compartment in your brain. It is broken out of the container and infiltrated all of you to some way, shape, or form. The end of study is to hoard up truth. Right? That, 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 that's what it is. When study, you just, you just gain knowledge and you, you hoard it up. You'll, you're like, you're going to go put it in the safe deposit, safe deposit box. You're just going to, that's what you're going to do. You're going to lock it in the chest. You're going to bury it in the backyard. But meditation is to lay it forth in conference or holy conversation. See, in, in study, you just get it. And meditation, you get it, but no, 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 you're not going to bury it. You're not going to lock it in the safe, de- safe deposit box. You're going to, you are going to hold on. You're going to hold on to it and have a conversation with it. You're going to think about it. It's, you're going to do something with it and study. We're kind of like a, a wine merchant that takes the wine to store themselves for sale. We're like, okay, I'm going to take this. I'm going to store it. Oh, I may, I may offer it to someone, but I'm just going to offer the knowledge of it. You're just storing it up. In meditation, like those that buy wine for their own use and comfort. In meditation, you're taking the wine and you're drinking it. You are utilizing it. It's, it's, it's more than just a bottle on a shelf. It's liquid inside of you. A, a wine merchant's cellar may be better stored than a nobleman's, right? So sometimes the, a, a student, they're, 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 in a sense, their wine cellar is stored. They've got all the knowledge. They've got all those bottles. Oh, that was, that was 1987 and and then 1994, I got a degree here. And look at, look at all my knowledge, all stored up in the wine cellar. The student may have more notion and knowledge, but the practical Christian has more of a taste and refreshment. You can either have it in the bottle and the wine cellar that you can show off, or you have, in a sense, all the bottles are empty because you've drank them all. You've been refreshed by it. You've been comforted by it. You've tasted it. It has become a part of you. I don't believe it's study versus meditation. I believe it's study and meditation. We've got to get from the student mentality to the meditator mentality. We've got to 
we've got to transition into that. And we've talked so much about studying here. It's time to talk about meditating. And that is what we're going to do over the next, well, at least the next week. We'll see how it goes. So here is what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Your, 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 your assignments are relatively easy for this, for the first couple of days. All right. Now I'm not going to tell you about what I have there, but here are, I'm going to look at something here because I don't know why they have that passage. Is it a typo? Let me, let me look here. I, I'm, I don't want to, I'm not going to say it yet. Just, I'm going to verify it. Going to verify it. Because the first one I know, I know the first one very good. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, we'll use it. We'll use it. We'll use it. All right, here we go. Your text to start off with. Oh, you know the text. Come on. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And Philippians 4, 8. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Philippians 4, 8. Start reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it. And you're going to see this. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1, all right, um, but his but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his, in his law doth he meditate day and night. I want you to read Psalm 1, verses 1, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, just start reading it over and over and over, Philippians 4, 8. For Psalm 1, I want you to look up that word meditate. What does it mean in the Hebrew? And just, just see how many different places it's used in the, in the Old Testament. Just, see, just become well acquainted with the term meditate there. Now, in Philippians 4, 8, you read this, Philippians 4, 8. Finally, uh, finally brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. So I want you all, all week, Psalm verse, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, read it, read it, read it, read it, and work on the word meditate. What does it mean in the Hebrew? Where is that Hebrew word used in the rest of the Old Testament? What does it mean? I want you to know. I want you to study. I want you to have the knowledge of what that means. Then Philippians 4, 8, everyone typically looks at all of those, the list of all of those things, good, true, pure, but they forget the word think. What does it mean, think on these things? Is it a, is it the same thing as meditate? Is it the same thing as meditate? What is the correlation between meditate and think on these things? So look up the word think. What does it mean in the Greek? How is that Greek word used in the rest of the New Testament? How similar is it to meditate? How different is it from the word meditate? And that is all I want you to do right now. That's all I want you to do. But I want you to just spend some time thinking and meditating on the significance of study and meditate. And I want you to just really spend some time on self-reflection. Are you a studier or a meditator? Are you a student or one who engages in meditation? Or do you do both? All right, you can hear the table here. That's the table making all kinds of sounds because I keep leaning against it. 
meditator. That we just gain knowledge. Doesn't do anything. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't, doesn't affect us. We need that knowledge to, like a fire, like a, like a virus just flowing through our, our entire bloodstream. We don't need to have it all just stored up. It's got to do something. We can't be, I don't want it to be like just the, the winter sun. It's there, but it's, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't do me any good. I need, I need 80 degree heat. I don't need 10 degrees. Okay. I don't need four below zero with the sun. No, I need that sun to give me heat. How have these two things been evident in your life? Which, which would be most evident? If I was to ask people who know you, oh man, that's a student. I don't know about that meditation thing. Well, they meditate. I mean, they do meditate, but for crying out loud, their conclusions are completely whacked. Okay, so we got, no, your, your meditation greatly determines the truthfulness of your knowledge, but that true knowledge has to be meditated on or it just becomes, well, like a winter sun. All right, I'm going to stop there. Your homework is simple. Psalm 1, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, Philippians 4, 8. Read them, 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 read them over and over and over and over. Look up the word meditate in the Hebrew. What's the Hebrew word? What does it mean? How is it used in the rest of the Old Testament? Think on these things, Philippians 4, 8. For some reason, that part gets left out. Everybody just likes that list and then say, well, that movie doesn't fit this list, so I'm not supposed to watch it. Oh, man, okay. Well, it's just so weird how that, that, that verse turns into that. No, it's about thinking on these things. What, what does that mean? Most people don't even think about what they watch, okay? That's, that's my big issue there, but we'll, we'll have to talk about that at a later time. What does the word think on these things? Think, what, is, what does that mean? What's the Greek word? What does it mean? And how does it relate to the Old Testament word meditate? All right, we need both. We need both. I completely disagree. I've got an entire article that basically says the Bible never tells you to study just to meditate. Well, unless you tell me the the biblical term for meditate includes both study and meditation, I think there's a distinction between the two. I mean, the, the words mean two different things. Meditate and study means two different things. But I think both, I think any just logical, just logical thinking. What good is your meditation if you haven't studied it and learned it and understand it and do all of the gaining of the right knowledge? Your meditation is going to be based off erroneous ideas and erroneous conclusions, which is going to mean your meditation, it may turn into a fire, but it's going to be a fire that burns everything down because it's completely out of control and erroneous. All right. There's so much more I want to say. That's what we're going to talk about. I do have a PDF file. That includes, listen, a sermon by Charles Hatton Spurgeon, a very profitable exercise talking about meditation, an article by Thomas Watson, who lived 1620 to 1686, on what meditation is, Thomas Manton, the duty of med- meditation, Isaac Ambrose, the nature of meditation, William Bates, occasional meditation, George Swin- Swinock, Solemn and Set Meditation, Edward uh, Colomy, Dangers of Neglecting Meditation, John Owen, Helps for Meditation on God, Arthur W. Pink, Chewing the Bread of Life, 
Thomas Watson, The Matter of Meditation, Jonathan Edwards, A Meditation on Love to Christ, and Charles Haddon Spurgeon, Sweet Meditation on Christ. All right. So um, I believe I believe that all of that is uh, in the public domain. So I'm going to try to get the PDF. And if I do so, I will announce the episode where I, I attach it and you will have access to it on the Church One app. Um, and I will also have a link to it, and I'll post the link to it. But we we will do some work on some of those articles and sermons, and uh, we'll add to it. But meditation, okay, we're going to focus on the meditation part, but don't forget the study part, all right? There's your assignments. There's your homework. we got a whole week in front of us. Let's see if we can transition ourselves into not just being students, but being also those who meditate on scripture, and let's bring the two concepts together because that will have the greatest impact on us spiritually. Because if all we do is study and have knowledge, we become arrogant, prideful, conceited, and listen to me, dead in our orthodoxy. So now we have to balance that out. Now, if we have the meditation, we may have fire, heat, zeal, and life. But if it's not in accordance with knowledge, then we end up a train wreck. So we got to take that orthodoxy and mix it with the meditation that hopefully leads to now spiritual fire and zeal and passion and, and emotion. And, and we've got to merge the two together. Am I saying it's easy? No, but it's something that we have to really consider. You can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. New week of Bible study in front of us. Yes, there'll be, who knows, distractions, delays, and problems, but let's see if we can really stick to it this week and have a great week of study, and uh, hopefully we can all benefit greatly. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.